Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Let's, uh, let's just pick up in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we'll go down to verse 16 again. And we remember in our last uh, several weeks uh, sharing together on the uh, redemptive names of God, of those who ask what is his name, and we uh, found together last week uh, in particular that Moses is the one that receives uh, the uh, first of the revelation of God in the name of the Lord. So in verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that, or I am who I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites, Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now just to review briefly what we've been covering, you'll notice on our sheet tonight the unutterable name revealed to Moses, and I've put several scriptures there, one of them we'll have to pick up at a subsequent time. But uh, we remind ourselves that Moses, rejected of his brethren 40 years earlier, is at the backside of the desert near the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. Uh, he's a keeper of sheep, and uh, a shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians, as we're told in Genesis 46, verse 34. And uh, we see that Moses was a man of faith who made the choice to serve God and suffer with the people of God. And then as we saw last week, we used the chalkboard on this area, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the burning bush, burning yet not, uh, not consumed. And we saw together as we built this up on the chalkboard last week, the triunity manifested in this revelation of God to Moses. And I put this uh, on, uh, the, uh, on your sheet there as well as on our overhead here tonight. All right, so uh, let's just pick, pick up this part here. All right, we saw that... Uh, when, when it says God appeared unto Moses, that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Hebrew thought of God here is Elohim, or Elohim is pronounced in various ways, but simply describing or denoting plurality of divine persons without necessarily saying how many. We know that the total bi uh, biblical revelation of Elohim, of God, is the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we refer to the fact in the last couple of weeks that uh, there are some scriptures that speak of the Father as Al in the singular, God the mighty, 
And some scriptures speak of the Son as El, uh, God, the mighty God. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Or his name shall be called the mighty God, as the word God there is in the singular. Then in the book of Job, we have a couple of references to the Holy Spirit, who's spoken of as El. But together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, where the word El is in the singular, referring to one of the divine persons, uh, when we see the word Elohim, it's uh, the uniplural Hebrew word denoting plurality of divine persons. And then we saw in the triunity in the revelation of the bush. We had the burning bush, always the sun, the central one, the uh, symbolic of the root out of dry ground, and the Father's voice. We could go either way, the voice of the Holy Spirit or the Father's voice, and the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, although fire is also a symbol of, of God, so either way you're safe there. But there's that triunity, the bush burning with fire, and then out of the bush burning with fire comes the voice of God calling to, to Moses. Excuse me. <clears throat> and when God says uh, to Moses, I am the God of your fathers, uh, the, the word God then again is Elohim. I am the Elohim of Abraham. I am mean, the Elohim of Isaac. And I'm the Elohim of Jacob. So the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of, of Jacob, this trinity of men, as we said, this triunity of men. Abraham the father, Isaac the only begotten son, and then Jacob, the third person of that trinity of men, proceeding from the father through the son. And then as we saw uh, last week, and I'll wrap up there in verse 14, God said unto Moses, now this is in response to the question that Moses asked, when I go down there and say, and they say to me, what is his name, what will I say to them? And as we've been uh, laboring the point a little bit, that they had many gods down there, and as we saw together in these notes, if you didn't get them last week, each of the judgments of the Lord were against, was against one of the gods of Egypt, because they had lots and lots of gods and worshipped all created things and missed the Creator. And so... For God to reveal his name, it must be a unique name, it must be a distinct name, it must be a name that uh, no other God could truly use. And so he says, I am, that I am, expressing his own very nature and being. And so we have, I am, that I am. Now, when we, when we get to verse 15, we notice uh, that God changes this I am in verse 14. Let me pick up verse 14 again. I hope I'm communicating what I what, uh, I'm, I'm, think I'm seeing here. And God said, Elohim said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now it's significant that Moses never ever does say to Pharaoh, or it's never ever used again in the total Old Testament, I am that I am or I am. It's never said again. Uh, in verse 15, uh, there's a change to what I, as I understand this, that it's the equivalent to I am that I am. And so God said, Moreover, furthermore unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God. So now I am that I am becomes the Lord God, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So I am that I am now becomes the Lord God. 
And uh, remember that it's the triune God, the revelation of the Godhead, the triunity of God, but in divine order of persons here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's a significant thing that as we uh, go through the total biblical revelation that this name and its uh, variously translated, and there's uh, areas of controversy over some say Jehovah, Jah, some say Yahweh. Uh, it's what we referred to last week as the uh, Hebrews call it the Holy Tetragrammaton or the Sacred Four because we have, uh, depends which way you want to go, whether JHVH or YHVH. Uh, and then the Hebrew not having any vowels. We just have the sacred four letters. And so the Hebrew referred to as Yahweh or Jehovah, a lot of people say. Uh, some are saying now that Yahweh is a better translation. Uh, the only equivalent that we have, and there's no exact equivalent in the, in the English language, is, uh, is the word Lord, the name Lord. And I'm sure that God knows who we're referring to if we speak with the understanding that we do. Otherwise, we'd all have to speak Hebrew. But uh, YHVH, the sacred four letters, the holy tetragrammaton, the holy four letters, the Hebrews refer to. All right, now, it's the name of God, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, do we need that on, Doug? Does anybody need that on? Thank you. Can you see me? Glowing with the glory of God here? Okay. We get dazzled with those lights up here. And uh, so the Holy Four, and because it's Elohim that's talking, we find actually when he says, the Lord God, and this is my name forever, we find that the biblical revelation is that the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and Paul in, in Corinthians speaks of the Lord, the Spirit, the Spirit is Lord. So that the name Lord, and particularly in the Old Testament, actually become, it is, the name of Elohim, it's the name of, of the Godhead in the Old Testament, but because of the divine order of revelation, the Father is Lord, and we have the emphasis from then on, as I've got down here, the Lord Jesus, okay? The Lord God, and as I said last week, over 6,823 6, times, if you want to count them, that's okay, if you want to prove me wrong on that, but at least 6,800 times, uh, he says, this is my name, the name Lord God, and the chief name, the revelation of the name of God in the Old Testament, is the Lord God. But when you get to the New Testament, which we'll have to pick up later on, when uh, Jesus Christ ascended up on high, and on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this, made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand. So the Father is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And so where in the Old Testament the emphasis is on uh, the revelation of God the Father, though it's a compound name of the Godhead, the name Lord or uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, whatever you feel comfortable with, I won't lose my second blessing over it. Uh, it's a compound name, a name that involves the Godhead. But the emphasis in the Old Testament is distinctly upon the Lord God. The Lord God spoke to the prophets. The Lord God has sent me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has sent me. Always that emphasis on the Lord God. But when you get to the New Testament, the emphasis is not on the Lord God, but the Lord Jesus. So whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. And that's why it was blasphemy uh, to the Jew who didn't get the revelation to call Jesus Lord. Okay? To call Caesar Lord was blasphemy. To call Jesus Lord was blasphemy because it was ascribing the name of deity to a man. But they didn't realize this man was the God-man. So in the Old Testament, the emphasis is Lord God, and now in the New Testament, it's on the Lord Jesus. And of course, as I've already quoted to you without turning to the Scripture, uh, Paul says, where the Spirit is Lord, or where the Lord the Spirit is. And so because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are co-equal as persons, uh, sharers together in the divine nature and attributes and glory, they are partakers of the same name, the name of God. The name of the Godhead. So, Lord God in the Old Testament, Lord Jesus in the New, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. Now, what I want to do in our time tonight, let's just go to our notes before I move down the rest of the overhead here. You'll notice uh, at the bottom of what I've put there, under, uh, I am that I am, and then Lord God. When the children of Israel ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? All right, as we've already referred to, Egypt had many gods. All the plagues of, e of judgment were against these gods of the Egyptians and proved that the God of Israel was the one true God, the creator and governor of all created things. They worshipped the created things. They deified created things. And now the creator judges all created things, showing he is greater than all things he created. They worshipped the creature and missed the creator. That's what I'm saying. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 4 through to 6, Paul says... Though there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, his Son. So many gods, many lords, with a little g and a little l. But to us there's one God, the Father, and one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, on this uh, section B here, just to, uh, I, I verbalized this last week and uh, some of you may have found it difficult because of the glory of this name. Uh, never before in Scripture from Adam to Moses had this distinct name of God been revealed or spoken. This very name, I am that I am, expresses who Elohim God is. All right, so what does this I am that I am express? All right, I've put down several attributes of God because that's what's involved in the revelation of this name, I am I, that I am. I am expresses eternity of being. Not I was, not I will be, though the name Yahweh involves I will be all that I will be. But it expresses eternity of being. I am. Not I was as if I was in the past and I'm going to be in the future. But I am. That's an eternal present. Eternity of being without beginning and without end. No creature, angel, nor man could say such, as we're going to see later on. The cult of the I am will say I am, but uh, uh, they're speaking a lie. I am comprehends one eternally present God, including in himself time past, time future, uh, time, uh, time past, time present, time future. In other words, eternity. Uh, let's uh, put down Revelation chapter 1 uh, on that part there. He who, he who was, he who is, he who is to come. Revelation chapter 1 is the equivalent of I am in its, uh, in its significance, in its uh, theological meaning. Revelation chapter 1 and verse uh, 4. 
And also Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says the same thing. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is time present, present tense, which was time past, and which is to come time future. In other words, the eternal. So when he says, grace and peace be unto you from him which is, which was, which is to come, it's time past, time present, time future. In other words, the, the eternal. Verse 8 says the same thing. In verse uh, 4, it's referring to the Father. In verse 8, it's referring to the Lord Jesus. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So I am expresses eternity of being. All right, second asterisk. I am expresses self-existence. He who exists in and of himself, he, ho- he owes his existence to no one. He alone is independent. God is the only independent. We can never be independent. That's why I don't like to say I belong to an independent church. We cannot be independent. God alone is the independent. He's independent of space, time, and creatures. He is self-existence. He's the life source. In, uh, in, in Psalm 50, he speaks very f- facetiously. He says, if I were hungry, would I tell you? He said, the silver and the gold are mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. So if I were hungry, would I tell you? If I want a steak, I can kill a cow any time. Right? So he doesn't depend on anyone. So he's the only independent. He is the life source. All other creatures and things owe their existence to him. We will be eternally dependent upon him. All right, I am also expresses unsearchableness of being. Who can define, who can explain the I am, who I am? I can't, the glory that's in this thing. Unsearchableness of being. I am expresses an impotence. If God is I am and he's eternal and he's the creator of all things, it involves Theologically omnipotent, the all-powerful God, he can, all-powerful God, he controls the universe and upholds it all by his mighty word of power. Uh, I love, I love the amplified on this. Uh, you can turn to Hebrews chapter one and follow along in whatever translation you have. But listen, listen to the amplified about the glory of the Lord Jesus, because we're going to look at some of these I am's uh, in a little while, little moment here. Uh, Listen to the Amplified on this, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. We're talking about I am expresses an impotence. The all-powerful God controls the universe. Uh, In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth and in different ways, God spoke of all to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son, of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. And listen to this language. Also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. That is, he made, produced, built, operated and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint 
and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. Isn't that powerful? That's our Lord Jesus. Who says, I am? Next one. I am expresses omnipresence. It would be terrible if God was omnipotent, but not omnipresent. Because if he was omnipotent and had all power, he could, you know, spin worlds into universe of worlds, uh, into existence from his fingertips. But if he wasn't omnipresent and all of a sudden one of the planets in the Milky Way started to drip over here, think, oh man, I've got to run over here and look after the Milky Way. We're getting a milkshake here. And then while he's fixing up the planets here, something's gone run over there. Aren't you glad he's not only omnipotent, he's omnipresent? Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. I am. Hallelujah. He's not limited by time or space. He works in time, he works in space, but he's not limited to that. I can't comprehend that. That's unsearchable. He's everywhere present at the same time. In my human nature, sometimes I think it would be dull to be omnipresent because God can't go anywhere. He's already there. How dull. I enjoy going places, don't you? But God can't go for a journey, can't go on a trip anywhere. He's just everywhere at the same time. He's always there. How many of you like to be God? (laughs) Well, you never will be. Praise God. (laughs) I am, the last one here, expresses omniscience, the all-seeing and all-knowing God. See, if he's omnipotent, he has to be omnipresent. If he's omnipotent and omnipresent, he has to be all-knowing because it would be terrible for something to be going on over this part of the universe that God knows nothing about. Think, oh dear, I was so busy over here counseling somebody, I forgot, I didn't know what was going on over here. And I was so busy busy listening to all those Russians praying in Siberia that I couldn't hear any Australians. I didn't understand their tongue and I need to be a linguist. How many are glad that God is omniscient? He knows everything. He can hear everybody praying in every different language at the same time and the throne of God is such a busy place as he's dispatching answers. Hallelujah. This is our God. I am. How many sort of sense a little bit of the glory of this thing? all-seeing and all-knowing God. He knows all, he sees all, because he is the I am, he is the infinite. None of the gods of Egypt could truly say this. God's name is his nature. Okay, let's move on quickly as time does. See, this is my name forever. So it's never changed. Not this name. And my memorial to all generations. It says in Malachi chapter 3, I am the Lord. I change not. I am Yahweh. I change not. Uh, He's the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. As is his nature, so is his name. All right, now, last paragraph here, and then I want to uh, put the overhead on and pick up a few things here. I am that I am, now becomes the Lord God, verse 15, 16, with verse 14. I am that I am is never ever used again in the Old Testament. It is used again by the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament as one of the divine persons in the revelation of the burning bush. Now what I want you to do, you've already got these scriptures here, but if you're taking down this uh, 
diagram a little bit further. I want to go through seven I am's. Now, what, what, what we're going to see, the very fact that Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Old Testament said, I am that I am, I am has sent me, and then it's never used again, but the Lord God, then in the New Testament we have I am, the I am's of Jesus, and then the Lord Jesus, I am that I am, equivalent with the Lord God, I am the Lord Jesus. So this is absolute deity. Let's go through some of these, and some of these we'll take from the King James translation. Some I'm going to use from the, the uh, Amplified, which, uh, as you know, I like when it agrees with my doctrine. And Amplified brings some of these things out. Let's go over to John chapter 8. I'm just going to take these few and finish up with some other things. But I put down a lot of I am's that are very specific and others by way of man's need, which I'd like to finish up on. Because uh, if, we, if God by the Spirit would give us a revelation of this, wherever we are, I am is with us. Whatever our need is, I am is there. We can believe it. John chapter 8. Now even though this became the unutterable name, the incommunicable name, as the Jews uh, eventually, the holy tetragram, the holy four, there must have been something that the Jews, even in Christ's time, understood about this, as we're going to see. Okay, let's pick up in John chapter 8, and uh, the verse we're after is verse 56, but let's lead into it. In verse... Uh, uh, verse 48 we'll pick up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan, you got a devil? Isn't that nice to talk to the Lord Jesus? It's like saying, you're a Samaritan, as far as we're concerned, you're demon-possessed. Great insight these Jews had. Jesus said, and I don't think it was gentle Jesus, meek and mild, he said, I haven't got a devil. I think it's a little bit like that with a Jewish accent, of course. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. And then he gets really curly here. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he'll never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know you are demon possession. You have got a devil, and you need deliverance. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he'll never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who are you making yourself? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I'd be a liar, just like you. Oh, how many would like to have heard Jesus say, I say, give it to them, Jesus, suck it to them. Hallelujah. But I know him and keep his saying, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he was glad and saw it. Then said the Jews, you know, they're even 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. And uh, so serious was this to them that in verse 59, then took up they stones to cast at him. But Jesus did the miracle act here. He hid himself 
and went out of the temple going through the midst of them he made himself invisible as the I am and so passed by now see in the Old Testament if anybody uh, uttered the utterable name through a misinterpretation of Leviticus chapter 24 16 which is on your notes there they were to be stoned and so with all this you keep my saying you'll never die and everything like that and I honor my father and you're a bunch of liars and I haven't got a devil you got a devil how to win Jews and influence Greeks in six easy lessons. Jesus never got that textbook. And so he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. That's pre-existence. That's eternity. That's equality with the Father. Before Abraham was even born, I am. No wonder they took up stones to stone him. Let's go to John chapter 18, which we have alluded to. John 18. I'm reading from authorized here, John 18. Jesus is now in the garden. Uh, he's gone over the brook Kedron and he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying. And in verse 3, paraphrasing here, a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, they come and they're going to arrest him. So in verse 4 he said, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am. Now you'll notice that the he is in italics. It has been supplied. Uh, Jesus said unto them, I am. Verse 6, as soon then as he said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now, as I said last time, anybody, you and I could say I am all day and nobody would fall over backwards. But they went backward and fell to the ground. Well, well, what, why? Why? I am. The revelation of that name of the burning bush. And he said, okay, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus and Nazareth. When they recovered from him, he said, I am. I've told you before, I am. They must have really scratched their heads as they arrest him. We fell over backwards before, and now we arrest him, and he's letting us crucify him. Yes. Let's go to John chapter 14. And you turn to it in whatever translation you have. Now, why don't you listen to the Amplified on this because uh, some translations pick this up a little bit more fully and others miss it. Amplified really seems to pick something up here. Uh, John 14, and I'll read verse 13 and 14. And Jesus, so you follow along in your translation there. And uh, Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says... Uh, verse 12, I better read from, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do, and he will even do greater things than these, because I go to the Father. And I will do, I myself will grant, now listen to what the Amplified says here, whatever you may ask in my name, presenting all I am, capitalized. So whatever you ask in my name, that is presenting all I am so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. And they quote Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Yes, I will grant, will do for you, whatever you shall ask in my name, presenting all I am. There's some reason why the Amplifieds quoted Exodus 3, uh, 3 14, and twice in those verses put, I am. So, you know, that's a fantastic thing. So, Father, we're asking it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're asking in His name, we're presenting, He says, you're presenting all I am. 
So what is Jesus? So when we come to the Father, we're asking in His name, uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're actually presenting to the Father all He is. All I am. Well, what am I? I am who I am. Listen to John 15, 16, uh, which says the same thing, and from the Amplified, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you. I have planted you that you might bear fruit and keep on bearing, that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain and abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, and here it is again, as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. All that I am, asking in his name. John 16 uh, is, is another interesting verse. And verse 23 and 24, Amplified. All these last several in the Amplified. And when that time comes, you will ask nothing of me. You will need to ask me no questions. I assure you most solemnly I tell you that my Father will grant you whatever you ask in my name, presenting all I am. Exodus 3.14 Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name, that is, presenting all I am, but now, ask and keep on asking, and you will receive, so that your joy, your gladness and delight may be full and complete. Hallelujah. Jesus has given them the legal right to use his name. Listen to Mark chapter 14 and verse 62. Mark 14 and verse 62. And again, the Amplified uh, uh, picks this up, that... Uh, our translation is inclined to miss, although in Luke's uh, reference it picks it up more. Mark 14 and verse 62. When Jesus is before the high priest, uh, let's pick up in verse 61, but he kept still and did not answer at all. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am capitalized, name of the burning bush. And you will all see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, the Almighty, and coming with the clouds of heaven. They knew all that was messianic language. So he told them very clearly when they said, are you the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the Blessed? I am. And you'll see the Son of Man, a messianic title from Old Testament, particularly Ezekiel, seated at the right hand of power, the the right hand of authority of the Almighty, coming with the clouds of heaven, his second coming. Then the high priest tore his garments and said, what need have we for more witnesses? You've heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? They condemned him as being guilty and deserving of death because Amplified refers to Leviticus 24, 16. If anybody quotes the name, he must be stoned. And one of the tragic things that uh, we don't realize is that uh, when the high priest rent his clothes, he pronounced the death penalty on the Aaronic priesthood. Because in Leviticus 21, I think it is, it says, the high priest must never rend his clothes. If he rent his, rent his clothes, he was to die. So here the Aaronic priesthood rent his clothes unwittingly pronounced the death penalty on the erotic priesthood, and yet he's pronouncing the death penalty on the Melchizedek priesthood, who was to rise again and live in the power of an endless life. Our last uh, reference here, Matthew chapter 14. 
Matthew 14. And again, the Amplified brings this out. Matthew 14 and verse 27. Jesus comes uh, in the watch of the night and he's walking in the water. No boats around. Everybody's on strike. Disciples are out fishing. And so uh, in the fourth watch, between three and six o'clock, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they screamed out with fright. But listen to what Amplified says. But instantly he spoke to them saying, Take courage, I am. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stop being afraid. Exodus 3.14. Take courage, I am. Stop being afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to the I am. Last thing I want to say here, I've given you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven distinct references and four of them at least from the Amplifier that brings it out and a couple from our translation and other translations bring it out uh, where they've supplied the he, uh, confirming that Jesus Christ is part of the Elohim, part of the Godhead, one of the divine persons and so it completes this, I am who I am. I am, I am, I am. The name of God, the Elohim. The last thing I want to give you is on your notes here as we finish up, I put on the right-hand side there, there is an I am for every human need met by the grace of God in his redemptive name. So I've just picked out seven of the main ones here, and though it's not Uh, translated as we have this I am here. The truth is still there. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Why Why does Jesus meet our need that way? Because man's born in darkness. And our need is light. So Jesus said, if you're in darkness, I am the light of the world. Jesus says to the hungry, I am the bread of life. You're hungry, I am the bread. Number three, says I to those who need a fold. He said, I am the door by me if any man enter in. To those of us, man's dead in trespasses and sins, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. See, every I am of Jesus is uh, the divine name equivalent to the need of man, meeting the need of man. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, in Adam we lost the way, we came under deception, and we came under death. So everything we lost in Adam, he became to us in the last Adam. I am the way, you were lost. I am the truth, you were under deception. I am the life, you were in death. He says to the lost sheep, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. There's an I am for every human need. So wherever we are, wherever we go, is I am with us? When you go home tonight, is I am with you? He says, lo, I am with you to the end of the world. How many appreciate a little bit more of the glory of that name, I am that I am? Let's stand
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise him a moment as we just close in prayer here. Thank you, Lord. You say it, Lord. You are, I am. I am to every need. Every need of mankind is met in the redemptive name of God. I am who I am. The Lord God, the Lord Jesus, our Redeemer. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the revelation of your redemptive name. We God, we pray that somehow by your Spirit, as much as it came by revelation to Moses in the burning bush, and he received that name by revelation, God, may there come revelation, illumination to our hearts and the glory of I am who I am. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the great I am, meeting every need that we have. God, give us a greater uh, consciousness and a greater sense of your presence with us wherever we are, at home, work, whatever we may be doing, that I am is with us. You said we're two or three are gathered together and drawn together and symphonize and make a harmony and a symphony together. There I am in the midst of them. It's your guarantee of your presence as we gather, not in any denominational name, but as we gather in your name, I am is in our midst. Let your blessing abide with each of us as we separate until we gather again and we ask it in the name of the eternal I am, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God's people said amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.